Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. I am excited, excited, excited to talk to y'all today. Um, First of all, congratulations, you made it here. That is, just give yourselves a pat on the back. I'm a mom of two little, so I know that getting here to church on Sunday mornings can be a little bit of a struggle, and I ride the struggle bus to church every single morning. So thank you for showing up. Thank you for being here. I do believe it's going to be an incredible day. I do have a burden for what we're going to talk about today. Um just based off our journey that we've had this year, that Josh and I have had this year. Um, I'll share a little bit about that in a minute. But um, in case you don't know who I am, my name is Gabby. Like Jason said, Josh and I get to serve on the dream team here. Um, And just a little bit about myself. Josh and I have been married almost 10 years. We got married when we were like 12 years old. That's what they do in the South. No, not really. That's not true. Um, (laughs) uh, But we have been married for a while. We have two kids. We have a three-year-old named Luca, Luca Royal, and they have some pictures. I think they're going to throw up some pictures. Um, Luca Royal, he's three years old, and then Milo Brave, and he is seven months old. Do y'all have a picture? Maybe not. It's okay. But you've probably seen my kids running around screaming, losing their minds. I promise they're good kids. Um, and so we serve here. Uh, we moved to San Francisco whenever we were planning to launch this church with Jason and Jen. We wanted to help out. We actually have followed them to several states. Um, they were our youth pastors in Louisiana, and then they moved to Texas to be a part of a church there. So we said, hey, we'll do that too. And then they were like, hey, we want to plant a church in San Francisco. And we were like, hey, yeah, we'll come too. So we're kind of just stalkers, basically, is what we are. Um, We're really nice and not creepy stalkers, though. That's what makes a difference. Um, Before I jump in, though, I do want to take a second to just honor a few people. Um, I would not be standing on this stage uh, with a smile on my face, that's for sure, if you knew the year we had. I would not be here today if it wasn't for other people in this room. Dream Team, in particular, Sozo Dream Team, I love you guys. You guys are our family. I think that y'all are just world class. There is no one else like you guys. Every week, y'all serve so hard. Y'all serve so with so much passion to create environments for people to encounter Jesus, and that is not lost on God. Um, and I just want to take a second to honor you because I think that you are absolutely incredible. And then, of course, the Lairds. Love you guys. I could talk about y'all for a long time. Y'all have seen us through highs and lows, walk through a lot together, and I would not want to do this with anyone else. I love y'all so much. Um, And then Sozo, just the church in general. I love this church. I love Sozo with all my heart. I think that it is something that is very special in this city, and I cannot wait to see what God is going to do in the city of San Francisco because I truly believe the best days of our church are ahead of us. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? All right. So we can go ahead and get started. Um, My hope for today, obviously we're talking about miracles. Ooh, that's a big topic. You know, it's a little like, ooh. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of complex. I'm well aware. I studied it. (laughs) Um, And so, but I don't want it to intend 
intimidate us. I want it to be something that is simple. I don't think that God intended for this topic and this experience, our experience with miracles to be complicated. I think he wants it to be simple. You know, life is complicated enough as it is. <laughs> um, and I think that he just wants to offer us some simple truths today and maybe just remind us of a few simple things that we can do to truly experience miracles in our life. Um, so I'm excited. I'm expectant. Um, I hope you're excited. I hope you're ready. Um, so let's go ahead and let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to meet with you today. God, we don't, cons- we don't take it lightly. God, we walk into this room carrying lots of different things. But God, one thing that we know is that we are expectant for you to speak to us. God, we expect that you have something to speak to each and every person in this room today. And God, I pray, Lord, as I speak, that they would be your words, not mine, that this would be about you, not me, not anyone else. It's not about anything else, Jesus. It is all about you. It's all for you. It's all for your glory. And so, God, I pray that you would just minister to us today, that you would encourage us today. God, that we would walk out of here with our heads held high and equipped to face whatever may be going on outside of these four walls. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for Jesus and all that you do for us, all that you have for us and who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So making room for a miracle. I just want to thank Pastor Jason for giving me the easy topic to talk on. Um, just so you know, I know I'm up here with a microphone, so I'm like the boss. (laughs) Not really. I am not an expert on this topic, okay? I did my best to study as much as I could. Um, I am not an expert. I am a student of this topic. I have learned a lot about this topic throughout this year, throughout my life, and I'm sure that most of you could say the same. Um... Like I said, I'll tell you a little bit more about our story later, but just so you know, just to kind of set the tone, I don't want to start it off too heavy, because if you know me, I make jokes at the most inappropriate times. I use humor as like a, a way to deflect actual like <laughs> conversation. So if you hear me make a sarcastic joke that is just like, why would she say that? Just give me grace, okay? I just, it's either laugh or cry sometimes, you know, and I'd just rather laugh, okay? Um, so anyway, in May, um, in May of this year, almost actually about a year ago, um, a little over a year ago, we found out that we were pregnant, found out that we were expecting our second child, which in itself is a miracle, first off, because I was told that I would have trouble having children, and this was our second child, and we never had an issue, which like, praise God for that. And so... We found out we were expecting a little over a year ago. Pretty shortly after, um, they realized that there are some problems with the pregnancy, and they had seen some red flags. And um, if you were here at all this past year, you probably heard us talk a little bit on and off about that. We really honestly didn't know what to expect. Um, We didn't know, honestly, if we would ever get to hold our son. And um, in May, he was born. And he was born with a few congenital heart defects, which they were able to catch before, which again, I think is a miracle in itself. So they were prepared. And he underwent heart surgery when he was five days old. Um, He is our little warrior. We actually named him Milo Brave because the name Milo means peaceful warrior. And he has already overcome so much in his seven months of life. Um, He's our little warrior. And then in June, so May, rough month. June, rough month also. Um, 
right after we got home from the hospital, um, my father-in-law, Josh's dad, um, I like to call him my bonus dad because he is just one of the most amazing people you'd ever meet. And he, um, he was actually really unexpectedly diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. Um, it totally threw us for a loop because he had just visited us in May. He was here for when Milo was born. Um, and so May, Milo is born, has heart surgery. We get home from the hospital. And then in June, um, Mr. Danny was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and so 2019 has definitely been a year of seeking miracles. I'm no stranger to being desperate for a miracle. Um, many times you hear people speak on this topic of miracles, and it's almost like they're speaking on it from a place where they're on the other side of it. You know, they've walked through the valley, and now they're on the mountaintop, and they can, you know, hindsight's 2020. they can look back and they can see, oh yes, praise God, he was there, he did all those magnificent things. Um, but today, I'm not necessarily speaking to you from that place. Now, I do believe that I will fully be in that place one day. And I can look back and I can praise God for all the things that he's done. But if I'm being honest, Josh and I and our family, we're still walking through a little bit of the valley. We're still seeing our miracle play out. You know, you read some miracles in the Bible, they happen instantly, which is actually one of the ones that I'm going to talk about today. Other times, miracles can be a journey. They can be a process because I believe that God tries to teach us things in the process. He wants us to trust the process. He wants us to be patient in the waiting. Um, and so I just, I, I hope whatever I say today, you hear that, you hear that from me. Like I'm not trying to just get up on the stage and say, everything's sunshine and rainbows and everything's just been wonderful. And like, look what God has done. And while I do want to give praise to God for all that he has done, because he has done a lot, I want you to know that we're still walking through it. We're still learning about this. Um, and I hope that that can maybe encourage you. You know, it was hard for me when we were in the, the worst days of it, whenever people, well-meaning people, they would try to encourage me and they would say like, well, this happened to me or this happened to so-and-so, but then God did this, you know, and for whatever reason, it honestly, it was more discouraging to me because the thought I had was, well, that's what God did for them, but I don't know what he's going to do for me. And granted, there were some struggles that I was having. There was definitely some uh, spiritual warfare and some mind games going on that the devil was playing with me and has played with me. Um, but it almost like I almost didn't want to hear it. <laughs> you know, like, don't tell me that. Like, I want to know what God's going to do for me. You know, I want to know what my story is going to be like. Or I want to hear from someone who's still in the middle of it, you know, who maybe they don't get the answer that they were looking for. You know, when it doesn't play out how you hear all these sunshine and rainbow stories play out. You know, because if we're being honest, life isn't always good. And there are some things that do happen that aren't fair, you know. And so I wanted to hear the answers and the reasoning on that. And so today, that is the place I'm speaking to you from. Um, it's a place that we are still walking through. Um, it's close to my heart. It's real to us. Um, but at the same time, I hope it's encouraging to you. That is my main goal. Like, I, I could get up here and I, I could talk for a little bit, but what I, all I want to do is just encourage you. I want you to leave here encouraged, to, to know that God is on your side, that he's for you, that he's working. Even if you can't see it, he's working. Um, so 
let me give you some quick facts about miracles just to prove that I did actually study um, and to sound smart. Okay, so uh, the word miracle, it comes from a Latin word called miraculum, and it's a simple definition. It's something that evokes wonder. Webster defines it as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. I think a lot of us could probably agree that we could use some divine intervention in certain circumstances we're facing. Um, The Bible uses four different words, four primary words, to describe a miracle because basically miracles vary so much they can't even just dumb it down to one word. Those four words, okay, and they're there are some R-rolling things that are supposed to happen in these words, and I can't do that, so bear with me, okay? Aragon, it's Greek words, okay? Aragon, which means works. Teres, which means wonders. Dunamis, which means power. Dunamis. And then simeon, which means signs. Again, I don't speak Greek, so that was the best I could do. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> There are 83 miracles recorded in the Old Testament, 81 recorded in the New Testament, and actually out of those 81, there are 37 of those 81 miracles that were performed by Jesus himself. Um, And basically, I tell you all those things to tell you the definition of a miracle may vary. What you consider a miracle in your life might not look like a miracle for someone else. And so just open up your mind to see maybe it could be unexpected, but God can do miracles in all sorts of ways. Um, And out of all the miracles in the Bible, I read a lot about miracles while I was preparing, and I thought certainly I'll speak on one of the main ones, you know, like Jesus multiplying the loaves and Jesus raising people from the dead. I mean, that's pretty cool and like intense. And, but actually, no. Um, The one that stuck out to me the most was only four verses in length, which I think you can thank me for, because again, I said, let's keep it simple, okay? Um, And so we're just going to talk about these four verses, Um, but before we dive into the scripture, I just want to ask, what do you think are some requirements of miracles? First, we must have an unsolvable problem that requires divine intervention. So basically, you need to be a human being. because we all will face problems that we need some help with. Um, Second, we need to believe that we are candidates for miracles. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about that for a second. God, miracles are not just something that God does for other people. They're not just something that God used to do. They're not just something that God did in the Bible. Miracles can happen for you. God can do that for you. You are a candidate for a miracle today. So, obviously when we talk about miracles, some probably tension that we face, questions that pop up in our mind are, well, does God still do miracles? Will he do a miracle for me? And what if he doesn't do it? And we're going to talk about those things. I don't want to pretend like those things aren't there, okay? I know that's an elephant in the room, so we're going to talk about that too. Um, But let's read this scripture. Matthew 9, verses 27 through 30. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, um, so you can follow along with me if you'd like. But it says, As Jesus left the house, two blind men began following him, shouting over and over, Son of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they followed him right into the house where Jesus was staying. So Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? And they replied, Yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, You will have what your faith expects. 
And instantly their eyes opened and they could see. I love this passage of scripture. I mean, it's only four verses long, but it spoke so much to me. And I want to unpack that just a little. Okay, so it starts out, verse 27, about two blind men following Jesus. You can easily just glance over that, right? You know, like that's just the intro to the story. But let's think about that, okay? They were blind. They had no sight. And they followed him. Okay, consider not having sight for a second. The obstacles that you would have to overcome, how much you would have to listen to follow Jesus. And if you notice, he doesn't respond immediately. So how much more did they have to lean in and listen and be patient and wait and be still to hear his response? And so they began to follow him. You know, a lot of what they did was probably based off what they sensed and felt, probably based off past patterns or their previous experience. Um, And I just love the courage that they have, that they decided, you know what, we're going to follow him. You know, I think a lot of us can relate to these blind men because maybe we've experienced some circumstances in our life that has left us lacking vision. It's kind of left us reeling and fumbling, maybe going off instinct, maybe just simply surviving. Um, But these blind men, they took a chance and they broke from a patterned way of thinking, a patterned way of moving. um, And they gave God a chance to do what only he can do. Um, I love how it says that they shouted over and over. You know, think about the persistence that they had to exhibit. You know, they didn't just simply ask God once and they didn't just speak it once. They were persistent and they were loud in their request. And they did it over and over saying, son of David, heal us, have mercy on us. Um, We can learn a lot from that. Um, They followed him into a house where he was staying. Does anybody have friends who just like think that doors don't exist? Like they just... Kramer right into your living room and just like, you know, they just not really self-aware maybe. And they're just like, oh, this is your home. Sorry, I didn't notice. I'm here too now. (laughs) Um, We have some friends like that. I love them to death. Um, We actually have an open door policy. So we like having people over all the time. But these men, okay, think about this. They just had made a very, they they took a chance and they made a request of Jesus saying, please heal us. And I'm sure they were filled with fear, filled with maybe some doubt, or maybe just not sure how he was going to respond, do you think that they expected him to respond by walking away and walking into another building? Um, You know, maybe that is the perspective we could have on that scripture, that Jesus walked away. But I personally like to think that Jesus was simply leading them into a new direction, What if they had never even followed him inside? The very place that their miracle occurred was in a room that they never even expected to be in. So when God leads you into new territory, into something that's unfamiliar, it doesn't have to be a scary thing. Yes, you can let fear control you and fear overwhelm you and fear keep you from entering that new space that God wants to bring you into, but don't let it. It's going to be a temptation, okay? But don't let it. Don't let fear dictate your decisions, okay? Follow Jesus into that new space because he's there. 
He's already there. He entered the room before they even got into it. And a lot of us can testify for those who have experienced miracles in our life or even anyone of faith. Someone could stand up here and say, I see God in my past. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can look in your past and see the things that God has done. But can I remind you that God is also in your future? He is already there. So unexpected circumstances, unexpected situations that take you by surprise, that may cause panic, that may give you fear, they don't surprise him, okay? He can handle it. You know, many of us are desperate for miracles to take place in our lives, but we actually spend our entire lives avoiding the context in which a miracle can happen. We're fearful to let go. We're fearful to truly trust Jesus with our problem. We're fearful of what he may do, how he may respond. Um, But don't avoid it. Don't be scared of it because God is there and you've seen him be faithful in your past. Don't have spiritual amnesia. Remind yourself, it's a real thing. (laughs) It's a real thing. I've had it before. You know, we can become so panicked by what we face every day that we forget to look behind us and remember, oh, God's taken me this far. I can see him in my past. Why would I not expect him to be in my future? Um, And then I love what Jesus says. He asked them, do you believe that I have power to restore sight to your eyes? I love how he phrased that because he could have simply said, do you believe I have the power to restore sight? But he didn't stop there. He took it one step further and he said, do you believe I have power to restore sight to your eyes? Not what I can do for so-and-so, not what I did for everyone else, not what everyone else has said about me, but do you believe I can do it for you? He personalized it, and that is who Jesus is. He is, he, He is not just concerned with the crowds. He loves the one. He doesn't see you as one face in a crowd of people. He sees you as an individual, as a child of God, as someone that he adores more than anything else on this, in this world. Okay, he laid down his life for you, for the one. He asked them, do you believe I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? What do you expect from him for you? Not for what he's done in the Bible, not for what we read about, not for people in our small group, but for you. Have you personalized your belief? You know, I think a lot of times our faith can become like overgeneralized and maybe we've grown up in a context of church or, um, and we just believe, you know, well, yeah, the Bible says that he does all those things. That's cool. But do you believe he can do it for you? It's a different thing. See, I think faith and expectation, and expectation is something I want to talk a lot about, but faith and expectation are not the same thing. You see, expectation is built on faith, but faith doesn't imply that expectation is there. Okay, I speak from experience. You can believe, you can have faith, but you cannot expect. And that's where I found myself this past year in moments. I maybe had questions for God. Sure, I had maybe some doubts. I mean, I'm a human being. Um, But I had faith. But it wasn't until God reminded me that he could do it for me that it became real to me, that that this this God, it was personal to me. Um, 
you know, a lot of people can be sick for so long, you know, that they think that they can never be well again. You know, a lot of people can experience so much hardship that they think good things don't happen to me. You know, we can fall into a toxic way of thinking, a way of patterned living. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to keep us. You know, he, he might not be concerned that you're going to go out and do something crazy or just abandon your faith altogether. He's not really concerned about your past. He's not concerned about who you are today. But he will do everything he can to rob you of your future. He will attack you in ways that steal your ex expectation, that rob you of your joy, that rob you of the energy that your faith needs to be active. And so he will try and take that expectation from you. So when you read the word of God, do you expect the same things to happen in your life? Or do you think, that's a cool story. When you hear of God doing something good for someone else, do you think that he can do the same for you? It's such a simple thought, but this was absolutely mind-blowing for me. Um, and maybe you're further along than me, and thumbs up. Like, that's great. But it, was, it changed my life radically, what we experienced this year, when I realized, no, he doesn't just do those things for other people. He wants to do those things for me. Um, and I love how it says... This is just a little tidbit. This is a little just bonus, okay? A little uh, dessert, okay? Um, but the blind men, they were in pairs, okay? There was two of them, and they actually responded to Jesus, we believe. And I'd just like to think that before this story took place, maybe they were just hanging out um, together, and they said, hey, you know, I heard Jesus is going to be in town. I heard he can heal heal people. Maybe we should go talk to him. You should go talk to him. And the other guy's like, no, no, no. Like, you, you should go. You should go. And, you know, like, they they're kind of like timid, like they don't have the courage or the strength to go on their own. And I like to think that maybe at one point they just decided, let's go together because we could probably do this together. You know, like I'd rather do it with someone else and do it alone. And so I love that in this moment of their weakness, maybe in this moment of vulnerability, in a moment where there was a lot on the line, they leaned on each other. They had faith for each other. They had strength for each other. And I don't, I don't want to discount anything that God does in community because it is very powerful. The local church is such a gift to us. Josh and I would not have survive this year if it weren't for other people in this room. Because when our faith was weak, we were able to lean on other people's faith in this room. And that is so important. Don't isolate yourself. Don't walk through your circumstance alone. Find community. Get in a small group. Go to a dinner party. Whatever you have to do, surround yourself with other believers because you can actually borrow faith. You can share faith with one another. And it's encouraging when you're around other people, when you're feeling down and they say, nope, God's going to do it. Just wait. He's going to come through. He'll do it. And it's so true. I love community. I love the local church. And I hope that you can find that here somewhere else in the city because it is so important. But they said, we believe, and they went together. Um, And then Jesus reaches out and he touches their eyes. Okay, that probably took a whole two seconds, maybe, I mean, very short time, but put yourself in the position of those blind men. Those two seconds where they were waiting for him to reach out and touch their eyes, it probably felt like an eternity, you know? It probably felt like, again, they had no sight, so they could not see 
what he was doing. They could not see how he was moving. They could not see how he was working out the process, but they still had faith and they expected and they waited. Um, And then Jesus says, you will have what your faith expects. That's a pretty baller line. (laughs) Um, And that's actually my main point for today. Thank you. Okay. Um, (laughs) But you will have what your faith expects. And I think that is so true. Your experience in this life will hinge on your expectation. What do you expect? Do you expect good things to happen to you? Well, then you're going to see good things happen. Do you expect bad things to happen to you? Well, then you're going to notice all the bad things that happen to you. Okay, expectation is a form of perspective. You know, you can look and you can see all the things that happen and how they line up and you can say, all these things were unfair. Or you can look and see all the little ways that God showed up and you could say, wow, look at all that God did to overcome everything that I've walked through. We need to protect our expectation because expectation, it does make room for miracles in our lives. And expectation is futuristic. It's rooted in the concept of more and better, better days, more healing, more provision, more joy, more peace. You know, it's rooted in the, in the, in the concept of the future. Like I said, the enemy of your soul, he's not concerned with who you are today, what you did in your past, but he's going to try and do everything he can to rob you of your future. He is terrorized by the possibility of your future. And so he will do whatever he can to withhold that from you. And if he can rob you of your expectation, he can rob you of your future. He may not be able to steal your faith from you, but he can certainly make it dormant. He can certainly take away some energy from it, make it less active. Um, so we read all this stuff about these blind men and all the things that they did right, right? And they got their miracle. And it can be very easy when we read passages of scripture like this and anywhere else in the Bible, when people received a miracle to dumb it down to this idea of a secret recipe, Like there's some right formula that we just need to plug in the right things and then we get our miracle. Um, If you're like me, I'm an Enneagram 3. I don't know if anybody else is into the Enneagram, but I'm very much performance, achiever, like do all the right things, check off the to-do list, and then boom, like you're good to go. And, you know, like it's a simple formula to me. Like, well, if I do the right things, then I'll get the right result, right? Life isn't always like that. And a lot of the times I could make my relationship with God like that. From our experience this past year, I drove myself crazy. I ran myself ragged trying to figure out the perfect recipe, the perfect formula to get my miracle. I tried all these different things. Um, I tried to act a certain way. I tried to read my Bible the right way and more and go to church and serve and, you know, have the right attitude. And I tried and then just practical things, you know, um, that have to do with our particular story. I drove myself crazy trying to find the right recipe as if God, okay, anybody else in here, it's the holidays. So Anybody else have a family member who has like that secret recipe and they guard it with their life and they will not share it with anyone as if like, I don't understand that. First of all, why would you not want other people to enjoy something like 
why are you being so stingy with this recipe, grandma? Like, give me the ingredients, you know? Like, I just wanna know how to make the stuffing and she won't tell you. That is not God, okay? He is not sitting up in heaven watching you work yourself to death while you try to figure out and work your way and perform your way into a miracle thinking, hmm, I got the recipe right here and they can't have it. You know, that is not who God is. The Bible says he is a good father and he wants to give good things to his children, okay? So if you believe today that God is withholding something from you, can I set you free from that lie today that God is not withholding anything from you? There is nothing standing between you and your miracle. God's number one desire is to pour out his goodness on your life, okay? He is not, he wants to participate with us. He wants to partner with us. He, he's not gonna force himself on us, but his desire is not to withhold from you. He wants to give to you. His character is generous, okay? He does not know how to withhold, okay? He, he wants what is best for you. You know, our formula for a miracle may look something like this, okay? Miracle equals faith, courage, persistence, perspective, expectation. Okay, yay, we have our miracle. Um, and that is what I tried to do with my life this year. But God's miracle, formula for a miracle looks like this. Miracles equal Jesus plus nothing. He's it. He is the it factor. He is the secret ingredient. He is the only thing you need for your miracle to take place. It's never been about us. It's always been about him. And I hope that truth brings you freedom today. Because if it was dependent on us, we would be our own functioning saviors. And then what would be the point of Jesus? <laughs> we are not our own saviors, okay? We have to depend on Jesus. We have to know that the truth and the hope and our miracle lies in his hands and his ability. I love this uh, portion of scripture in Matthew 16. It happens a little bit later after this story. Um, and Jesus had just performed a ton of miracles. I mean, you read the beginning of Matthew, and it is like miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I mean, he must have been tired, okay? He did a lot. And, um, and then, so he's just hanging out with his disciples, and he asks his disciples, he says, um, I, I don't know why, but sometimes when I read the words of Jesus, it makes me chuckle because he asks questions. He knows the answer to them, first of all, but he still asks questions. And then I just like to think that he, you know, like when you ask your kids something and you know the answer to it, but you just want to see how they respond. Um, I like to think that Jesus sometimes did that with his disciples, poor disciples. Um, but he says, um, he says, what? what are people saying about who the son of man is? What are people saying about me? Like, who do people say I am? And the disciples replied, some think you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Um, you know, I, I imagine, like, anytime Jesus spoke, the disciples just, like, kind of panicked, like, say the right thing, say the right thing, say the right thing. And so they're, like, throwing out all these options, like, oh, if say this, 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 this. And Jesus is like, okay, that's interesting. Um, well, what about you? Who do you say I am? 
And I like to think most of them just kind of like backed away, like, anybody else want to take this? <laughs> um, and Peter says, well, you're Christ. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Peter says, Jesus says to Peter, God bless you, because you didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And I love that thought, because I think a lot of the times in life, like I was talking about, our faith can become overgeneralized, or it's like just something generic, or just kind of like this cloud that hangs over our life. Like, yeah, faith exists, and yeah, I believe God can do all these things. But then how, how many of us know that life will throw us a set of circumstances where we have to make faith a real thing, and we have to not just begin to believe what we've always believed or what the preacher says on Sunday, but we have to make it a real thing. It has to become personal to us. God has to become a personal living God to us. And um, Jesus continues and he says, and now I'm going to tell you who you are. And I read this portion of scripture and I had a burden for you guys because I feel like God wants to speak something very specific to each of you today. And so I don't know if maybe you walked in here believing some lies that the enemy has tried to convince you of, or maybe you've forgotten that you are a child of God. Well, listen to these words that Jesus says. You are Peter. You are Rebecca. You are Will. You are Nathan. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes on, in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. Do you realize the potential that lives inside of you? Do you realize the gift that God has given you? He has given you the keys okay? You have the keys. You just have to learn how to unlock that door and to step into that new room, that room where God wants to take you so that you can have your miracle. Um, so today, I just want to ask you two questions. They're simple questions, but they're good questions. It says, uh, first question is, do you believe God is who he says he is? Do you believe do you believe that he is who he says he is? Jeremiah 32, 17 says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand, just by reaching out your hand and your powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Second question, do you believe he will do what he says he can do? Deuteronomy 31.6 says, so be strong and courageous. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. They're simple questions, but man, we can complicate it. We just get so overwhelmed. Everything gets so cloudy because we're just trying to put one fit, foot in front of the other some days, you know? But that was my hope today that I could encourage you and remind you of the simple truth that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he can do. And he won't just do it for someone else. He will do it for you, but you need to expect it. Expect that to happen. Expect God to do that for you. Um, the band can go ahead and load. 
um, close up here. But like I said earlier, we did want to address the elephant in the room. Oh, there's a big old elephant. She big. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the elephant in the room being, and if you're anything like you, me, how I was this year, anytime someone said anything good or hopeful or encouraging, you were like, yeah, but that's not always the case. You know, maybe I was a little pessimistic. Um, I'm married to a persistent optimist, which is, woo, it's, it's tough sometimes. No, it's actually perfect. Um, but what happens when our experience doesn't match our expectations? I know that that happens. Sometimes we can experience divine disappointment. We feel like maybe we didn't get the answer that we wanted to our miracle. And that's a hard place to be. You know, in 2019, Josh and I, we prayed for two miracles and we experienced God answer in two different ways. Um, like I said, his father, and his father, my father-in-law, was diagnosed with cancer in June. And we decided, we had just gotten home from the hospital, we're getting used to life with two kids. Milo actually came home with a feeding tube. His vocal cords were paralyzed from his surgery. Um, and so he couldn't swallow correctly. He couldn't protect his airway. And, um, and so getting used to two kids is like, wow. <laughs> and then just with our certain circumstance, it was like, wow, we, <laughs> um, and so it was difficult, but we, when we found out about Mr. Danny, we knew that it was important for Josh to go and be with his family in Louisiana. And so he went to Louisiana for a month, probably a little over a month, um, to be with his dad, to be with his family. And I stayed back in California with the boys, um, cause Milo couldn't travel. He was recovering from his heart surgery. And, um, it was a difficult month. <laughs> um, and honestly, I don't know if I would have made it if it weren't for people in this room who just showed up at our house and just said, I'm holding the baby, go take a shower. <laughs> um, and, but we prayed and we expected God to heal Mr. Danny. And um, he actually passed away in July. It was very, very fast. Um, and he passed away in July. And that was difficult. Um, I had a lot of questions. And there were a lot of dark days. And maybe you've been there before too. Maybe you've prayed for a miracle and God's response has felt like a no. That's a tough one. And I would be lying to you if I said I had all the answers. Like I said, I'm a student in this. Um, you know, we prayed for healing. Mr. Danny received his healing in heaven. And people would tell us, again, well-meaning people, they would say, well, God will never give you more than you could handle. Apparently, everybody who says that is country. I don't know. They would say, God will never give you more than you can handle. And I, would, I wanted to punch them in the face. <laughs> I hate that phrase. Can we just light that phrase on fire and just throw it away and never say it again? It's not true. Sometimes in life, God will give you more than you can handle so that you can learn to rely on him. How else would we ever experience his grace in the strength that he wants us to experience it in if we don't utterly depend on him? 
But I can tell you, as hard as it was, I could probably call Josh's mom and I can ask every single one of Josh's siblings, there's four of them apart from Josh and all their, and all their spouses, and they would testify that yes, as disproportionate as the amount of tragedy they experienced was, they experienced an even more disproportionate amount of grace. And God's grace has met us every step of the way. Like I said, he's in the future. He's in your present. He's in your past. His grace is there. It's a real, real thing. And so, yes, maybe God will allow certain things that are more than you can handle, but he will give you grace for what you need. Milo, on the other hand, um, like I said, he had surgery when he was five days old. I mentioned that his vocal cords ended up being paralyzed. It's one of the side effects, like it can happen sometimes in the surgery. We knew it was a risk. Um, the nerve that controls your vocal cords actually runs right next to your aorta. Didn't know that, but it's true. And um, so he couldn't even cry. Um, and he came home with a feeding tube, went through his nose down to his stomach, and he was fed with a pump. Um, into his stomach and as a mom that was just a very bizarre thing to get used to I mean I don't think it's it's just not natural to see your baby be fed through a tube and uh, along with that came other complications you know just other things that made day-to-day life just difficult he was on a very strict schedule because we were basically force feeding him Um, and it was grueling And uh, we also had a three-year-old who is a three-nager, okay? Everyone says terrible twos are the word. Mm-mm, the three-nagers are real. And I love him. He's an angel. And, uh, and so it was tough. It was, it was some really hard days. And, you know, I read things in the Bible, and I just, I prayed for a miracle. I prayed to God, heal my son. Like, I wondered, will my son ever eat normally? Like, will his vocal cords ever be healed? And I prayed. I was desperate. I mean, I can't tell you how many hours I spent praying and asking God, please, like, do this for me. And I felt like he didn't answer at first. You know, like I said, sometimes miracles can happen instantly. Milo wasn't healed instantly. Sometimes miracles are a process. And sometimes God's answer is to wait. Trust the process, which can also be a difficult thing. Sometimes just as difficult as feeling like he's saying no. Sometimes his please wait can feel like a no. I felt like I was being denied. And, um, but I had to trust in God's timing. I had to trust that his timing was perfect and I couldn't lose hope and I had to keep persisting. And even when my faith felt weak, that was something interesting I learned in this past year is that your faith is not the same thing as your emotions. You can have faith and still feel weak. You can have faith and have doubts and questions. You can have faith and be angry. God's not scared of any of that stuff. In fact, that's what he wants the most from you. He wants this relationship to be a real thing. He wants authenticity. So don't keep that from him. Well, can I share a little praise report with you? My son Milo has been tube free for almost three weeks now. 
he has been drinking from a bottle. He drinks a little bit more every day. We see improvement every day. We're not completely out of the woods just yet. And he has some other health issues that have left some question marks in our future. But I have no doubt in my mind because I can look back and I can see God in my past and I know he will meet us in the future. I know he's already there. I know he has prepared a way for us. And so I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna keep you know, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna keep persisting. I won't keep hoping. And no matter what we face, I will never give up on my son. He is my child. I love him more than anything else on this planet. And if I love that little boy that much, imagine how much more your heavenly father feels for you. He will never give up on you. He will never leave you and he will never abandon you. Um, another small little tidbit that I love to share is actually when we, we were getting ready to get to hand Milo over to the surgeons, we were in the hospital, he's about to go back for surgery, and I, that was the hardest moment of my life, because I thought, how am I going to hand, hand them, him over? How am I going to do that? And that day, when the doctors walked into the room, and they're about to wheel Milo back, and a nurse walked in the room, and I won't tell her, won't say her name because I don't want to embarrass her, but she actually goes to Sozo. I mean, think about the odds of that. You know, we live in a pretty big city. There's a lot of people who live here. And out of all the people in the, in the city, there was someone who went to our church who walked in the, our room, who would be in his operating room with him. And I felt like she was just an angel. That was God reminding me I care about the details. I care about the small things and I'm there. And so it doesn't matter today if you need a big miracle or if you need a small miracle, it all matters to God. The details matter to him. So if I could leave you with one piece of advice, it would be to expect him in the big things, but to see him in all things. You know, like I said this morning, you are a candidate for a miracle. You know, when we see impossible, God, he sees potential. That is the very operating ground that he needs to show off. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.